I think that, to be very honest with you, I, I do believe that we should have rightly believed, but we certainly believe that certain issues are just settled. Certain issues are just settled. Clearly we're not. No, that's right. And that's why I do believe that we are living, sadly, in um, real unsettled Times. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with... Welcome to the Ruthless Variety <laughs> Program. You can't make that shit up. That, I mean, I, I kept telling folks, that is why we have Veep or Veep as a game, because oh, the, it's just, it's beyond word salad. Boy, it's just perfect comedy. And I was just telling the fellas this before the show, is Twitter, uh, this guy on Twitter uh, over the weekend tweeted, today is my last day as the guy who spins Kamala Harris around 25 times before pushing her into the room for interviews. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on he goes on i'll never forget the first time her handlers looked at me and said really jostle her before she had, before she had to appear on cnn i mean that's the thing is like it is it's beyond like incoherent it's like what's happening i think she said believe like 75 times in two yeah. sentences that's just is it like the, she conjugated it different unbelievable I'm, I'm starting to have a theory that the biden people really hate her so much after she like destroyed joe biden and called him a racist during debate <laughs> that they're like we will never give her any prep no talking points we're gonna send a guy to spin her 25 times put her in the room with well biden's not exactly churchill i don't know if you guys have noticed no it's honestly like the american people are like can we get somebody to talk to us like anybody, we can't get it from the press secretaries. We can't get it from the president, the vice president. There's literally nobody in this administration that can communicate at all. Yeah, not a person who could put a sentence together. Did uh, I've got audio of Biden too, by the way? Well, let's play that in a minute. Hold on, I just got We got a couple uh, housekeeping matters to take care of here off, off the top. Uh, the first is we have a great guest today, Captain Hung Kao, who is uh, running for Congress in Virginia. He's got an amazing story. It's a prime pickup opportunity for Republicans. You know, if you win seats like that, you get a majority pretty quickly. I think you're going to enjoy his interview. He's got a great story. I mean, really, just like it's, gonna, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. Hell of a story he's going to be telling. It includes, let me just give you, it includes JFK Jr. and a plane crash. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's which, a teaser and a half. So, which is very timely because the anniversary of the crash is right around this week. Is I, that right? I, yeah, I think oh, July that's 16th. Right. That's right. Well, listen, Captain Cow has got something to say about all of that. Uh, also, we have a sponsor today, the Common Sense Leadership Fund, which we will get to in a moment. But first, let's start with this. Um, why don't you go ahead and play that Biden audio? in all 50 states in the District of Columbia to seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. When tens of millions of women vote this year, fastest way to restore Roe Ro, than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. This is the first <laughs> Repeat the line. A weapon to murder someone in, the, in Japan. In all 50 states in the District of Columbia. <laughs> uh, <whoa, what? laughs> we, got, we got a lot to cover here. We got a lot to cover here. 
Can, can I hear that one more time? Can I hear that one more time? In all 50 states in the District of Columbia, to oh. seek to terminate the presidency and maybe save her life. When tens of millions of women vote this year, fastest way to restore Roe Ro, than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. This is... <laughs> <laughs> so it's become it's become somewhat of a parlor game in DC to see if Biden just goes straight anchor man on it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like you remember the movie Anchor Anchor Man, yeah. where like no no no, don't put it in the text; he'll read it. <laughs> so <laughs> he now reads his stage cues almost all the time. But this one was particularly hilarious, and it read the line. First of all, I stumbled through the. I couldn't even make out what yeah. he was trying to say. But then he gives you the read the line. He's been doing it for months. Do you remember when he did this during his eulogy of Bob Dole? Yeah, when he said it, end of message. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, he said, <laughs> and the message was end of message. <laughs> God, I mean, you can't make it up. So, like, of course, everybody pounces on this uh, stuff because he's been doing this so often. But a, what was it, deputy press secretary or yeah. something over there? Yeah. Assistant press secretary, apparently. Uh, Emily Simmons, she spells it uh, M-I-L-I-E, a different spelling. Emily Simmons said, uh, no, he said, let me repeat that line, not repeat the line. And, of course, she got, like, probably the most historical ratio in the history of Twitter. Yeah, I mean, this was truly impressive. The fact that she comes out and feels the need to, I mean, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Don't touch this. Don't even make it a bigger thing because it's like, you know, if you act like it didn't happen, I guess that's pretty much how the Biden presidency, how all his aides have been like, just act like it didn't happen. Hopefully it doesn't get picked up But it's like, if she tweets this and she's right, it's not like people all of a sudden think, oh, you know what? He really is articulate. (laughs) I couldn't tell the first 17 words he said, but that seems to make sense. And so uh, Greg Price puts out this video of exactly that. And then this deputy press secretary just decides, okay, it's time for me to jump on this grenade and destroy myself with a ratio. And and at last count, well, uh, l- let me see these numbers. It's like 17,000 replies. <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, like 2,600 RTs. It really made a mark. There's no question about that. But then the other thing we thought about when we're dealing with this, and b- basically all Biden remarks, is the, is the poor bracket man. Yeah, exactly. Bracket man, again, forced into action. You know, unbeknownst to him, he's now trying to play a lead role in which they actually corrected the transcript uh, falsely. Correct. And, and and that's the thing is, is this is actually like some Orwell stuff Yeah. of where they are just like on the fly, completely changing what everyone has seen with their own eyes, which just happened. Like it, it says, uh, Jerry Dunleavy, this is from his tweet, it says, White House transcript of Biden remarks is now incorrectly aligned with what this White House assistant press secretary falsely claimed on Twitter, despite the video showing Biden clearly stating, end of quote, repeat the line. And not let me repeat the line. <laughs> so Bracket Man is now not just Bracket Man, right? Yeah. Bracket Man's also got a little, like you said, Orwellian He's got to recreate reality yeah, like, we gotta, to deal with Joe Biden. we got to shift it in a different direction. Well, it's probably no wonder that the comm staffers continue to depart then. Yeah. Uh, the news coming out of last week is that P- Biden's comms director is departing. Uh, she obviously follows Jen Psaki, who departed, 
it's the latest shakeup in the administration's press operations. Like, Can you imagine what an awful job that is? It's got to be so tough. What like are you running comms for someone who's having a difficult time speaking? Yeah, like <laughs> I imagine the first three four months, you're like, oh man, I'm in the White House. Like this yeah. is incredible. Yep. I can. And walk you know in they've the- waited because it's all these people who who are like, Damn. the C tier of the third string of when President Obama was president. They're like, okay, we are like the backup team to the VP's team. These which, are the people who he's stuck with, right? Which now. is the secret, as we've talked about before, of Democrats in Washington, is that you never really, never really go anywhere. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's always the same names. Like the person who's the deputy press secretary this time around. God forbid, there's another Democratic president. That person's coming up next. You know what I mean? That's what they do. But now they're kind of like, uh, well, maybe this wasn't worth it. Yeah. What's MSNBC got? Exactly. <laughs> well, because they're in a situation where basically Kamala is their only defense. The president can't put two sentences together, so they just say, you know what, Kamala, you go on TV so people think you're the one who's really stupid and nobody's paying attention to the president. (laughs) This is incredible. Uh, Anyway, we mentioned that CSLF is a sponsor of today's program. We'd managed to bring somebody in for this, unbelievably. Uh, I want to welcome to the program some scumbag we just dragged in off the uh, (laughs) the street. This is unbelievable. Well, I mean, hi, Kevin. Hello, Josh. This is Kevin McLaughlin. Uh, You've heard from him before. I have been here before. I've been a guest of the program. Yeah, in in a real guest, not like uh, a crashing guest. Yeah, right, not just bumping in like I am right now. But if you remember, I've been with the program for a long time. Day one. I was there day one. Was I your... Early, I was early. I wouldn't have been the first guest. You were not the first guest. Tom Cotton was our first guest. But you were amongst... The first guest. The first unelected? Uh, yeah, I think that could be true. Long story short, I've loved it ever since. I love the success. I love, thank you, You're sir. doing a great service to our nation. I applaud all of you. Well, it's very nice of you to say. You were, you were invited last time when you were the executive director of the National Republican Senatorial mm-hmm. Committee. You had a real job, and at that point, you had some actual expertise to bestow. That's true. Now I'm just a uh, scumbag running a nonprofit called the Common Sense Leadership Fund. But what was weird to me about the time that I was on before was I thought it went really well. It did. Like, I, I, think, I feel like people responded. Okay. I, I think there was some fan I mean, it's mail. A, it's a I bit think. presumptuous, but <laughs> sure. And I thought we got on real good, all of us. Yeah. Yeah, as we tend to. And that was in uh, March of... No, 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 no. When was that? Uh, I don't know. It was early. I want to say it was like maybe October 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe, you know, maybe November. Long story short, for a long time, I've been sitting by my phone waiting for a call. Like, I thought it went well. I thought you guys were going to call me and nothing. (laughs) Nothing. So today I got up, I showered, I shaved because I'm excited to see your faces. So I'm a little hurt and I felt like I got canceled. Well, we like to treat listeners to people who know what they're talking about and are in the middle of these sort of things. And so although we appreciate your charming personality at all times, Kevin, it's taken us uh, observing that you have actual expertise and an actual issue to bring you back. It is true. There's some there's some tomfoolery and skullduggery going on out there right now in the United States Senate. Well, that's and what I, we count on you to, to uncover. I'm standing up uh, and trying to give a voice to the people, okay. as you guys are, yeah. against these two bills, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act and the Open App Markets Act. Okay, so these are, wait, these are the two, this is the, the punish big tech bills, right? That are Punish like, big tech. I'm all for that. Yeah. Right? We all are all for that. So 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 what what makes these ones different? Well, there's one word in these bills that make us very concerned and it's safety. 
Okay. okay. You know how the woke folks out there like to talk about how their safety is being infringed upon if, by God, you say something they don't agree with. Yeah. The kids these days. Yeah. You say, Josh, I don't really enjoy your shirt today. And they want to cancel you. Okay. <laughs> so this is what these bills do. Our concern here is, is how the bill promotes censorship and reinforces political bias under the guise of user safety. Okay. okay? All right. All right. Right. So... You know, we're out there and we're very concerned. And so we're trying to inform the people. And like, we're not against punishing big tech, right? We're, we are reasonable people and we have a solution. We just wanted to rejigger that word safety. Well, my, my, my sense is, is that the, the rejiggering of that word probably causes all of the issues on the left for why they're actually involved with these things. Now, the libs don't think it goes far enough. There we go. Yeah, because, you know, us bunch of people like you are out there saying mean things so if we can be they can be concerned about us mm -hmm. and they, they want to be concerned so what happens if they're concerned about us and something like this well what they do is they just use it as safety and they have these these ministries of truth that say like what you said was made me feel unsafe therefore you are canceled we are going to deplatform you and that's in the bill that is in the bill you got to be kidding me it's it i wouldn't I would, how, never, I would never kid you on the subject How like is this. there a single Republican who is involved with this? Well, listen, there's a lot of good that's done in the bills, right? There's a lot of stuff that holds big tech, their feet to the flame and, and, and things like that. I think that like with all, all lawmaking, you worked in the United States Senate, it's imperfect, you know? But so- Not that I, imperfect, Jesus. I think we want to make sure that all these guys are aware. Sometimes things slip through the cracks. There's a lot going on in the world. And uh, we want to give our folks on the on the right the benefit of the doubt. And we just want to make sure they know. But you're telling me these people have actually signed off on this? They're, they have. It's, yes, in, it's in a bill with Republican sponsors It is on passed it? out of the Judiciary Committee, correct. Come on. So it could it could get called to the floor in the next, any time, you know? So, um, so what, <laughs> that in and of itself is enough for me to light the desk on fire. I think it is. Uh, all of us need to be standing up and screaming from the mountaintops that like, listen, this cannot go through. Otherwise, the only people who are going to pay the price are conservatives who are online. So what does this do for like, you know, one of my biggest concerns was at the end of the 2020 election, Hunter Biden stuff comes out, which, by the way, we're still seeing these disgusting videos. Correct. Right. And at the time, it's Russian disinformation. It mm -hmm. should be banned. So all the media got together, banned any sort of reporting on this whatsoever. Like what in this bill does something about that? What in this bill does something about that? Well, they, what they, could, they wouldn't do anything about that. Well, so that like, what's the point of this shit? The point is, it is to hold you and me. It's, it's a, it's a get the conservatives bill, you know, aye, under the guise, aye. under the guise of get big tech, but it doesn't go far. See, enough. this is the problem. We've talked about this on the on the program on a number of occasions, that there is enough conservative anxiety about big tech, their role in censorship, their role in in attempting to basically codify liberal points of view in terms of information dissemination that you don't read the fine print and they just get into like whatever the democrats want to do you put your name on it and all of a sudden you got a solution well what you're telling me is this makes it worse did you see like and this is a little bit different but there's this a retired three-star general who tweeted out something negative about jill biden who was a contractor yeah, i saw this and like he just got he got he got suspended and right. now it wasn't suspended from Twitter, but it's like this is the kind of this is a three-star general who just made a comment on Twitter about the first lady, and he is like losing his contract with the United States military. <laughs> I mean, that is just kind of an example of the kind of ways that these guys all operate. And you mentioned the hundred by like all this stuff, like they just they they censor everything. And you guys are the only ones out there shining light on this stuff. You do it week in and week out. 
Well, Don't take the bait is what I thought you were going to go with it. Like, I feel like people are taking the bait here. Like, these sound good. They make me feel good, both these bills do. But then you read them, and you think to yourself, okay, privacy, that's cool. You know, we, we're, we're all right with that. But, like, safety? Security we're even fine with, right? There's privacy, security, and safety. Safety is very broad. Privacy and security, very well defined. Safety, I feel unsafe being here right now next to Smug. <laughs> I think everyone does, right? We should legislate that. <laughs> Making a motion. <laughs> I mean, this is truly astonishing. It is. Though. Our I, guys got to stand up. They got to make sure it's rewritten. And like, listen, if it's not rewritten, they got to. They got to. They got even those who sponsor it. Like, have got to vote against it, and they got to start over again. That's just the only so, way to do so it. So, what are you guys doing in your in your? So uh, we're just we got we got a digital campaign going, and we're targeting these folks and making sure inside DC these staffers know that like this mistake has been made, and um, and we've had some folks who uh, have jumped on this and really been very very helpful in the cause, and. Um, and we're going to keep it going through the election. We're trying to. What, so, are we, what are we doing with like like the Mike Lees of the world who are sort of in the antitrust world where they wanted to get something done? I got to imagine this bothers the hell out of him. I don't know specifically about Mike Lee, to be quite honest with you. But the, the folks who have, you know. You're making sure they know about it, though. They, we make sure. So we, we are targeting all Hill staffers uh, with, our, with our campaign. So everyone knows about it. Yes. And there are lobbyists on this issue. I'm not a lobbyist. As you know, I was. <laughs> I was a fine lobbyist. I got a lot of wins for my clients. So if anyone needs a lobbyist out there, Kevin at CSLF.us. Was no, don't, do don't do it to the 501c4. That was, yeah, that, was a sh- that was a short-lived career. It was a part. short-lived career. But I did have some minor successes. Um, <laughs> it's because you're so damn affable. It's hard to hate. You notice he was doing the big wind-up on the feels-good thing. I was, I was like a straight-up Tommy boy. Can I thought I he was going to hand up the bull's ass at one point. Can, can I tell you what I did as a lobbyist? I, I'm just going to tell you this. I would walk in a room. I'd say, hello, John. Kevin, good to see you. I used to work at the NRSC. I worked real closely with your chief of staff and uh, got him. Got your boss elected. This is Smug. He's got a problem. Smug, tell him your problem. <laughs> Smug would tell him the problem. <laughs> and at the end of it, I'd say, Johnny, thanks so much. Say hi to your chief. We'll follow up. And I'd walk out. I'd do six of those a day here's, and I'd go home. And I loved it. Here's your invoice. Oh, I'd be down at, I'd be down at Cab Grill just exhausted. <laughs> What a living. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Why'd you get out of that again? I don't know. I think that uh, there's some... some. I got You know what? I got a job at the NRSC. Well, you're I'm a do, an idiot. You're a I'm do-gooder. an idiot. You're a I do-gooder. hate myself now that I think about it. I did, I made a mistake, and actually during the pandemic, I thought every single lobbyist I knew was in their second home at the beach, and I was at the NRSC on 2nd Street, <laughs> violating Mayor Bowser's no work from the office deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm off in a tangent. You did a nice job on that. Well, I don't know. <laughs> so wait. So wait. <laughs> What's for another time? I'm not going to bring up George. I promise. Oh, I promise. I'm not going to do it. But so let's 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 tie the knot on this yes, sucker. Sir. When is this thing coming up? Like you said, it's out of committee. Like what's the deal? So it literally could come up any time. You know. So like. So what do we do? I mean, should we just start like spamming our? I think legislators the minions need to get involved here because the minions are the target of this thing. Minions are the ones who are going to feel the effects of po- negative legislation like this. On, against big tech, there's no question about it. So I think any minion, dude. I mean, thanks up, for the flag. To be honest yeah. with you, like I thought you were, we were bullshitting here, but this <laughs> this actually feels pretty important. It actually really is. I yeah. mean, I think that like it is. It, it it will hit home for the people that we know and love and who are great for the cause and who have been so supportive of the cause for a long time. And so I think they need to like they need to blow some stuff up. I don't want to say that. Let me, let me rephrase. Can I? Can we? <laughs> 
Can we rework the lines? That? The phone lines. Can we re- Mom, <laughs> can you help me? Help. I didn't mean that literally. Okay. Kevin, the Jan Six Commission just called. Yeah, right. right. I'm gotta... surprised they haven't called yet. <laughs> I've been waiting for them to call too, just like you guys. No one calls anymore. <laughs> Oh, I wish we could do two more hours of this. I Listen, uh, Kevin McLaughlin, thank you for stopping. Let's do it more often. I would love to do it. I really appreciate you guys and uh, everything you do, like I said. So, I mean, look, Kevin's always a great time. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Th- that was great. What a, the all-timer. I, I knew it was going to be great, so I was like, I'm just going to pour my cup of bourbon. I'm just going to watch. I knew it was going to be wonderful. Yet again, Kevin came through. I mean, the guy—the guy is—he's uh, uh, a first-class guy. He's welcome anytime on the program. Uh, he manages to make it entertaining. I, I like—I liked how he was busting balls about being canceled because <laughs> he hadn't been on since 2020. Well, I told him we have to find something he knows about before he can come on. Well, you know? the guy obviously knows a lot about this. He yeah. does, and he makes a good point. I mean, the fact that this is basically just targeted at conservatives. It's shocking. Like something's got to be done about this. It's got to put. We got to put the brakes on this thing. I'm just not surprised at all. I mean, if you think for a second that Amy Klobuchar has a pen on something that redrafts how tech operates in this society, and she's not going to put something that hurts conservatives, mm-hmm. you're nuts. You're nuts. There's just no way there's bipartisanship coming out of that shit. And we got real ones like you know Blackburn and Holly, who I can always trust, are, are on this. Clearly, that's the intent of of when they shape this bill is they wanted to trick folks like that. They wanted to trick conservatives into thinking this is only about sticking it to big tech. And then they sneak in this language about, oh, quote, safety, which is just how they go after conservatives. We just got to do something about it, right? I mean, you just can't let that stuff go. Um, Meanwhile, good Lord, the red wave, fellas. That's right. The red wave. Love to see it. Uh, This is from Politico. House GOP marches into deeper blue terrain as Dem prospects fade. Um, this is, uh, I'm just going to read from the article. Representative Kim Schreier called it an honor to welcome Joe Biden to suburban Seattle for a health care speech in April. Then nearly three months later, the Washington Democrat used a TV ad to boast about taking on Biden over the, <laughs> over gas prices. That, I mean, how quickly fortunes have shifted. It's just so transparently shitty. Like, I yep. don't, the thing is. I have come to respect the discerning nature of a voter. Mm-hmm. And, like, they aren't buying this bullshit. You can't trick them. They aren't buying this. Uh-uh. Like, if you think that all of a sudden some Democrat, some endangered Democrat who's voted down the line with mm-hmm. Biden and, and down the line against Trump for four years, all of a sudden woke up with this, like, sensible center point of view. Yeah. Like, not happening. On, not happening. And that's the thing is, is voters are going to remember. The folks culpable are all these Democrats. All these Democrats are who allowed and empowered and were with Joe Biden to make all these incredibly poor policy decisions that have caused all these problems that we have. They stood with him on day one, on day one when he started shutting down American energy independence and not to try to run an ad being like, oh, I, I, uh, oh I'm all for gas and oil in Seattle. <laughs> in, in, in Washington. Yeah. I mean, that's a hell of a wave. Well, remember, we have Tiffany Smiley out there running for Senate that's against right. Patty Murray. Yeah. I mean, that, that thing. That race is, is looking good. It's Look, got people very, very concerned on the Democrats. That is, that is a, we have a legitimate shot there. And Patty Murray has not exercised her campaign muscles in a long time. And it's because she's just, she's just sort of sleepwalked her way through so many elections. Mm-hmm. And this wave is, I, it's, it's real, folks. Please, please pay attention in Washington. Let me read one more paragraph out of this because it'll give you a little flavor of how bad these guys are, are doing. 
With just four months until the midterms, Democrats were already on the defensive in at least 30 highly competitive districts. But Biden's toxicity has given the GOP optimism about seriously contesting a fresh crop of about a dozen seats that the president won in 2020 by nine points or more, from western Rhode Island to California's Central Valley to the suburbs of Arizona's capital. Wow. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that map's getting huge. And, and, and that's the thing is voters are realizing who is to blame for these problems. And, and you look at what the concerns are right now of each party is you've got Republicans who are talking about inflation, who are talking about high gas prices. And meanwhile, the Democrats, what are they talking about? Like you have AOC, abortion. Yeah, they, they, they're they're pushing January six. Uh, and you had uh, this thing come out where Dr. Jill Biden is attending some conference on like Latinx like oh, yeah. conference. It's like, OK, it's very clear where their priorities are. And that's not with. Americans who are struggling right now under the Joe Biden economy. They, they just can't help themselves. But you know, before I get into the polling of this, it's also worth noting that while they're doing all of this distancing and, you know, oh, I'm fighting the administration on gas prices or inflation or whatever it is, they're all secretly currently mm-hmm. lining up behind one of the biggest tax increases that we've seen in American history. There was news last week that Manchin and Schumer... And presumably the Biden administration had come to an agreement on what they call this reconciliation bill, which is basically build back better. Mm. Right. This The thing that we killed last December, they've now narrowed that down a little bit and levied it all on small businesses. There's like a four percent tax increase on small businesses amidst record inflation an economy in recession. I mean, you, like you can't make it up and, and nothing from these guys on that. Yeah. And like, just watch, right? They need every single Democratic vote in the Senate to pass the thing. So far, not one of them have said they're not, they're, they'll vote against it. Not one. Unreal. Right? Unreal. Wild. Well, the, the timing of it is such that they may actually have a vote in the Senate on this uh, at the end of July, which everybody knows that's when the GDP number comes out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it, Smug, I know you're a student of the Atlanta Fed. Yeah, we're waiting for, this is, this is a key one. This is basically going to confirm whether we are in a recession or not. And can you imagine? Is there any question? That's the thing. I mean, this well, is a big one. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, most of the people listening to this show know that we're in a rece- recession already. They're paying higher prices they, that they can't afford. But like, you know. And also, like, a, a, a significant thing, if we're going to talk about, like, the, just the economy in general is you'll have a lot of, like, the left-wing pundits trying to push this idea of, like, well, look at the jobs numbers. Okay, look at the jobs numbers. We're at 98.6% of employment that we had March of 2020. We haven't even recovered completely. Right. So these, like when Joe Biden, it's the same lie that he says, I've created so many jobs. He hasn't created a goddamn job. No, they've locked the country down for two years, right? And it's like, oh, people have to go back to work now that you stop paying them not to work. You know, thank God there are enough Republicans in the Senate to stop that. But I mean, it, it it's awful. But the, again, the American people are absolutely not fooled by this. So this is from the New York Times yesterday. President Biden is facing an alarming level of doubt from inside his own party. 64% of Democratic voters saying that they would prefer a new standard bearer for the 2024 presidential campaign, according to a New York Times Siena College poll. Wow. Yikes. That's that's not good. That gave that's him a thirty three percent overall job approval rating. 
that's as bad as any president in my memory. I've never, I've I, never seen numbers that bad in my life. It's never happened before. He he is he's literally has the worst job approval of any president. But one other thing that stuck out about this New York Times piece, they're pinning it all on age. Do you yeah, know? Oh, yeah, they're, pinning, they're pinning it all on age, and they this, this is this is this is something that my my old man, my dad, uh, pointed out to me over the weekend. He was like, you know, they're they're blaming it on his age, but. He's doing everything that the left wants him to do. Right, he's just a stand like a marionette. Exactly. Yeah. So, That's, so yeah. the problem That's is a great point. the That's problem right is on. what the problem is what the left wants him to do, and he's doing it. So, I mean, it's not his old age that canceled all these oil and gas leases. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's not his old age that spent trillions of dollars and ruined our economy with high inflation. Right. No, uh, dude, that is dead it's on. The left. That is dead on. That's right. That's a hundred percent right. And the news is always really trying to push the narrative of like, oh, it's because of his age or whatever. They really are trying to attribute all of this to that. And it's like, no, the left has actually gotten their wish list and everything's gone to hell. Well, I mean, this is how you know how in the pocket that the media actually is for this stuff, right? They wouldn't dream of saying any of this stuff last year. Oh, yeah. Right? They wouldn't dream of it. But now that everything's going south, it certainly can't be liberal policies. <laughs> yeah. We can't be like, right. oh, shit, we were wrong all along, folks. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this 10% inflation. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> We got to find out a reason for that. It's because he's old. He's old. Yeah. He's old. That's it. <laughs> we've we've discovered the reason. He's, he, if he wasn't so old, you'd be paying less for bananas. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> what a crock! Uh, but the Biden approval disapproval gets worse when you go break it out into states. Mm-hmm. You see mm-hmm. some of this, so like Arizona, Georgia, Nevada, Pennsylvania, New, Mex- uh, New Mexico, Michigan, Wisconsin, New Jersey. New Hampshire, like all these states have huge races, huge races, many of them big Senate races. He's in the 20s in Arizona. He's in the 20s in Georgia, the 20s in Nevada, a state that he won. He's at 29. Yeah. Right. He's at 3058 in Pennsylvania. I mean, let's go. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like this guy is going to be such a drag on the ticket. Oh, such a drag on the ticket for the Dems. Staple Biden's name to everything you're doing in those campaigns. Yeah. Because just staple it to the back of that candidate. Yep. You cannot overcome 20% approval ratings. No, no you can't. It's they're headed, they're headed for absolute disaster. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Um, another poll that we had our eye on, I think you were big onto this one. I the love Gallup, this one. The Gallup poll, the most important poll in America, as you say. That's right. So the, this is the Gallup poll that covers the confidence in U.S. institutions and how it's down, and the average is now at a new low. Um, but I thought Biden was going to bring oh, the yeah. norms back. Oh, yeah. It, it was going to be about the norms, the adults are back. Actually, no. Um, as Gallup says, Americans are less confident in major U.S. institutions than they were a year ago with significant declines for 11 of the 16 institutions tested and no improvements for any. The largest decline in confidence is 15 points for the presidency oh, from a year ago. Oh, but Norms. There you go. Norms were going to bring that all That's back. It. It, it, Americans have completely lost faith in Joe Biden. It says matching the 15% drop in President Joe Biden's job approval rating since the last confidence survey in June 2021. He is, he is like, when Americans think about who is failing them? When they think about the institutions failing them, Joe Biden is front and center of their mind. Uh, and and it's, I mean, there's been discussion for years about how Americans have had uh, th- their faith in institutions has been eroded. Yeah. And a very significant reason that is due to the institutions themselves. Like you see how much 
I think Ron DeSantis is a perfect example of where Disney is essentially trying to just like throw their weight around as a corporation of being like, hey, we tell you what's going on here. We, you know, we 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 know what's best for folks, and we're going to decide. We're the arbiters of what gets done. And he was like, "Hell no, you're not." Right? No, you're not. And for so long, Americans have been under this situation of where major corporations, major news agencies are deciding what they are being told, what is okay, what the norms are, and 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 Americans are fed up with it. I think if you just peel one layer back from this idea of institutions and you think about who is controlling them Mm -hmm. the left who is controlling corporations the left that's right who is controlling major levers of government the left that's right who is controlling congress the left Mm -hmm. it's not like people just woke up and all of a sudden they're like you know what i don't like the way the jefferson memorial looks anymore yeah no it's not just like the idea of institutions it's who's controlling them and who is trying to ruin this country through them? And it, that's the thing: it's the right. left. It's in their. It's inherently now uh, in their DNA. Like the, the whole like Marxist theory that's now at the core of leftist thinking. Like when they say critical race theory, looking at everything through a critical eye, their intent is to take the country apart so that they can rebuild it in their image. That's what Build Back Better is. It's why they don't celebrate things like the 4th of July, why they don't read the Declaration of Independence, as we talked about last week. Like, this is in the core of what they're trying to do. But I think another portion of this is, as we've explored extensively on this program, is that every single one of these institutions, save for the Supreme Court, Mm is controlled lock, stock, and barrel by the progressive left. They got the House, they got the Senate, they got the White House. Not not just that. They've got corporate media. Yep. They've They've got got Hollywood. Education. They've got education. Education. Both secondary and higher education. That's right. You know what I mean? All of the institutions that are failing, that we're measuring here, that people have no confidence in whatsoever, are progressive institutions. That's right. You know, I mean, that's the thing that that we really need to drive down because it's your job as a leader of this country to try to instill confidence in this country. Mm -hmm. That includes the institutions, and it's not always popular to do that, but you need to try to figure out how to do it. And these guys are so fucking bad at their job, they can't even get their own progressive left when all they're doing is progressive bullshit to get them to actually like it. Yep. You know, oh man, I, we got it. This midterm can't come fast enough. Yeah. Well, speaking of failing progressive institutions, Warner Brothers Discovery Chief says <laughs> journalism first is new mandate at CNN. Is it though? They're trying. I guess they're like, we we, we got to try something, folks. All I know this is this isn't I, working. So I don't watch this stuff, but like every time I walk past a TV that has CNN on, it's nothing but Jan Six. Every time. Nothing but Jan Six. Right. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe they're doing something else. But it seems like over the last month, doesn't it to you, Ashbrook? It's just. Yeah. No, I, I mean, you, you it's like they're saying one thing with one hand and and something completely different uh, with the other, because you I've read this. We've we've talked about it on the show five or six times that they want to try to put journalism back into CNN. But then you turn on the television and if it isn't, so, you know, if, there are plenty of people on CNN who are doing their level best. Smug's going to kill me for saying that. Wow. They're doing Show their for le- CNN. They're doing, <laughs> they're doing their level best to bring actual news um, content. But then you look at Brian Stelter's Twitter feed, and he's just a flack for Democrats. Yeah. And the guy is supposed to be a media reporter. So like, The fact he's still there makes me question the whole assignment. I've read a lot. I've read a lot about how this new journalism first thing is coming. But the fact that that guy still got a desk and a show 
tells me that there's more to that story. And this is great. So this is from the Variety article about this. It says, on Tuesday, uh, Zaslav responded to a question about low ratings at CNN, which has not seen a ratings boost from its coverage of the Jan 6 hearings oh, over the su- last month. They're surprise, like, surprise. And, and it's funny because they're like, oh, shit, we tried pushing the Dem messaging and it didn't help our ratings. We've tried that for years and it didn't help our ratings. Oh. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, it's just, look, there's more to be said on that. We'll find, we're tracking along the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. We're going to see if Ashbrook's favorite station, you know, tries oh. to change their ways and become <laughs> journalism that first. Is, that is outrageous. <laughs> but I didn't I, see, what I didn't see was a lot of outrage with CNN or anybody else about the Kavanaugh situation. That's right. And what was reported by Axios, which I think is an important story here. Yes. Is that there's a group called Shutdown DC. It's a liberal advocacy group in DC. Um, and it said last Friday that it's going to offer 250 bucks to service industry workers in the district for every sighting of justices who overturned Roe v. Wade. And the reason they're doing that is because they want to alert their network to then go disrupt their dinner, as they did with Justice Kavanaugh. And, and a reminder, this is weeks after a left-wing lunatic tried assassinating yeah. Brett Kavanaugh. They're right back at it. This is the first question that comes to mind beyond just like what is wrong with these people to do this is who is paying for this? Who is funding these left-wing organizations? Seriously. That they're out there putting bounties on the heads of Supreme Court justices and like everyone's acting like this is okay. I, it's shocking that this stuff isn't isn't front of the news. Yeah, and you know they asked what's her name, the press secretary, about this, and they twist herself into knots to try to say that it's not. You know, it's oh, it's free speech. And she said, oh, this is that's what I call democracy. Oh, when 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 people are are trying to intimidate Supreme Court justices, hunting them down, putting bounties on their head, she's like, that's democracy. Unbe- unbelievable. It's incredible. Also, Twitter, which by the way, it sounds like Elon's deal fell through. At least that's kind of what's being reported. Um, Twitter told Axios for this story that shutdown DC's tweets are not a violation of Twitter safety policies. Yeah, unreal. Safety. Right? There again, there's that word that, Bingo. that safety. Kevin was talking about. Safety. Oh. It only applies to if a conservative is mean to you. I get it. Safety policies. That's really fascinating. The wrong pronoun gets you banned. Oh yeah. But somehow, oh, calling if you put people, a bounty on people's heads, that's okay. Totally fine. Wrong pronoun, goodbye. Totally fine. Well, in the middle of all of this is our restaurants, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They've got to deal with all this stuff. There was a piece in Political Playbook, which, by the way, is just a fucking rag these days. It is. It's really... <laughs> I mean, it's literally... It's it's reading what the left's take is on, you know, DC stuff on a day-to-day basis. Like, it, there's no news value to it. I read it twice after Jake and Anna left and decided I wasn't going to do it again. Yeah, I, I kind of do it just to, to get myself spun up in the morning. It's like, you know, if I can't listen to Herb Brooks and ACDC, I'm, I, I, I throw that in and just see if I can't like get myself worked up. But what they reported was that after abortion rights, protesters showed up in front of Morton's in downtown D.C. on Wednesday to demonstrate where uh, Brett Kavanaugh dined inside. The company issued a statement to Politico's Daniel Lipman aggressively defending the justice's right to eat dinner aggressively defending and they call them abortion rights protesters yeah yeah That's right what, yeah abortion rights well i mean listen to this so all of a sudden because they put out a statement defending his right to eat dinner now morton's is under attack yeah i mean are you kidding me so uh the left mocked idea and i'm quoting now the left mocked the idea of kavanaugh uh, that he should be shielded from protesters while in public 
poor guy tweeted AOC. He left before a souffle because he decided half the country should risk death if they have an ectopic pregnancy within the wrong state lines. It's all very unfair to him. The least they could do is let him eat cake. You know, you know what she didn't say. Remember, remember when she whined because somebody took her picture while she was in eating? Miami. Remember that? Yeah. She, she just like she was like, "Stop the presses! Pay attention to me. This is about me and the whole Congress. Everything's about me." <laughs> and that whole topic thing is an absolute lie. It is like, a lie. A number of of, of folks of doctors have spoken out and been like, "That's actually a complete lie." But. That's something that they've clung to and that they keep pushing and that the media continues Nobody, to report. No, nobody's going to fact check her on it. She, yeah. did, did one, of the, one of the privileges of being a Democrat is that you can say whatever the hell you want to say and nobody's going to fact check Bingo. you. So she's going to lie in every single tweet, every single character, and she's going to be hypocritical. It, and I know, look, nobody's I, know, gonna call her. I know it's not terrific politics to just like take the bait on the abortion debate and, and try to have the debate. But like what they're talking about, what AOC wants has nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. That returned the power to the states to right. make those decisions. Right. What she wants is a mandate from the federal government to say that upon conception all the way to birth, they ought to have the ability to abort a baby. That's what they want. And that, that by percentage, is so far out of the mainstream of the American consciousness, I don't even know where to begin. It pulls like, about as well as Latinx. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's shocking. Like The idea that you can basically have a be in the delivery room and administer an abortion for no reason, not not help the mother, not not anything, but like just because you want to, is what their position is. That's their stated position. But to your point, this is what what she's complaining about is not what Roe decided. What Roe decided is to let voters determine. Yeah, well, she doesn't like that. She doesn't. No. Well, I wonder why. Yeah. Yeah, well, this, I wonder why. Hey, AOC, this is what democracy looks and like. You know what? Uh, <laughs> speaking speaking of hypocrisy, when it comes to AOC. I don't know if you guys saw this article in the New York Times. It's called The Rise of the Far-Right Latinx. Yes. Oh, man. Thank you for bringing this up. Dude, this is unbelievable. So it was a story. It was about uh, Maya Flores, right? Who and just won a, a border county or a border district. Yeah, we had her on the program. Yeah. Huge win. Huge win. Huge pickup for the Republican Party. Massive. But it was the, the way that they titled it, to me was the most fascinating thing of all time, right? Her can listen this is New York Times. Her campaign slogan God Family Country was meant to appeal to what she calls the traditional values of Wait. her majority Hispanic district in Brownsville, Texas. To what she calls traditional values. What she calls. To what she calls traditional values. I I'm sorry New York Times, she won the race. Yeah, right. So I think it her seems opinion like is shared by a lot of people. Maybe that works. She called for President Biden's impeachment. She tweeted QAnon hashtags, which, by the way, I mean, these guys... I've, that I was feel, all lies. I've I feel like they're just making at, all that shit it's up. It's all made up. It's, it, and that's the thing is, like, they will attach the word QAnon to anything because that's, like, catnip for the left. Yeah. Of, like, it's basically code for them to be like, this person bad. So they'll be like, uh, they must be a QAnon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Seriously. The, like, just the, the ridiculousness of calling Meyer Flores far right to begin with. And there was a great tweet from uh, Drew Holden. Uh, who said, it's subtle, but let me know if you can spot the difference in tone here from the New York Times. So they say, this is a, a screenshot of, of this article. It says, the rise of the far-right Latina. Representative Myra Flores is one of three Republican Latinas vying to transform South Texas politics by shunning moderates and often embracing the extreme. And then right next to it, has a screenshot, 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez emerges as a political star. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's just stunning. How do they do this? Like how how if you live in that world, they there are some of them that actually believe their objective. Like they believe that somehow AOC is a mainstream political yeah. star. It's because all the reporters are extremely far left. All the reporters are so far left, and they only hang out with each other, and they only hang out on Twitter. Their belief of what the, like, Overton window looks like, of what a normal person's beliefs looks like, so far to the left. So far to the left. I mean, imagine thinking that Maya Flores is some QAnon yeah, person. Yeah, it's insane. We and, had her on the program. We talked to her. Good Lord. I was like, you know what? She's actually a moderate. Like, she fits her district pretty well. This is not some, like, firebomb. And, and this Conventional is Republican candidate. And so this is from the article. It says... And as her own oath of office coincided with the hearings by the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack, Ms. Flores largely dismissed the proceedings, saying, Honestly, my district doesn't care about that, she said <laughs> the hearings. My district is struggling to pay their bills. That's what we're supposed to be focusing on. And they're like, holy shit, far right. That's it. Why are you trying to help the people in your district who are dealing with high gas prices, high grocery prices? Shouldn't you be focused on the January 6th hearings? It, like, it must, you really made yourselves look like a complete idiot in New York Times with that. It must come as like complete astonishment when they look at polls and it's like 20th. Yeah. Like Jan 6th isn't, doesn't even register in the things that people no, are concerned about. Not at all. Well, I'll tell you what, it does. It should do a real number on their self-perception of the influence that the major uh, corporate media has over this country. I think it's just completely eroded over the last uh, over the last 10 years. Nothing proves it more than that. I mean, when they are 100% full court press on one subject and everybody in the country is like, meh, my prices are too high. Talk about something I care about. Right, <laughs> right. Amazing. Well, fellas, let's get to this interview because Captain Hung Cow, you're going to want to hear this. I want to welcome to the program a really interesting guy uh, whose background I'm, I'm really interested in hearing about, but he happens to be a congressional candidate in a very winnable seat here in Virginia. Hung Cow, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Holmes. This is, uh, listen, thank you for coming in studio. You're up here. You're, I suppose you're taking meetings and everybody's telling you how you're going to win. Exactly. You know, if I had a book I could write, it'd be everybody's a freaking consultant, right? Everybody has their, their <laughs> own thing. And you're like, okay, thanks. Thank you so much. But if if your record is less than one win, then, uh, you know, I don't want your... Then you, then you don't want yeah. to hear from them. Well, I think that's a good rule of thumb. Unfortunately, there's a lot of candidates who don't have that rule of thumb. Exactly. Uh, but it's good to see. Listen, you got a lot of momentum. I want to get into your background and everything uh, shortly. Let's talk about the race. You got in. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I mean, we we want, we came in late in the game. We came in uh, at the end of January, and in four months, we were able to win a pretty large field, right? 11 ca amazing candidates. We won with 53%, and then now the momentum's just picking up. And just last weekend, uh, when we were at the uh, 4th of July celebration, I just couldn't believe the outpouring of, uh, of support. I mean, people were chanting USA as I was walking by, so it's, it was great. Oh, that's great. So they know your background. Let's inform everybody else in the Ruthless Variety program audience. Your captain, special operations. Let's get the full. Let's get the full map of, of your background. Well, yeah, I had the normal childhood, born in Vietnam, raised in Africa, <laughs> yeah. summers in France. <laughs> no, uh, no, I. I um, 
I was born in Vietnam, and, and you know, in 1975, my family fled Vietnam, and so it was a scary time. My parents had to make hard decisions, and um, my mom was sewing notes in our clothes with uh, money, saying, hey, does my son please take care of him in case we get separated? Wild. And, and even at one point, they had to make the hard decision, what if we can't bring all five of the kids? What if the Americans will only take two or three? Who do we leave behind? And that's the reality of war, you know, and, and we came here, we came here with nothing. Literally, we came with two suitcases. Some jerk stole one of them. Oh, so man. we had one suitcase of just memories. My mom packed uh, pictures and things to remember what, what life was. We didn't bring money or anything like that. And uh, this country gave us this amazing opportunity. It gives you this ladder of opportunity, but you still have to climb up yourself. And so my dad, uh, he was the deputy minister of agriculture in Vietnam. Um, he was actually schooled in, at Cornell. And you know his friends were saying hey if you want to be a farmer you can stay here but you know there's really no future over here unless you want to go to africa so we spent the next seven years in west africa so i i went to french schools in africa uh, from the age of five until 12 and Mm -hmm. then again my parents had to make another hard decision what you know these kids don't speak any english so my mom had to bring us back here my dad stayed in africa for another 15 years to work to to support the family seeing us every six months and i came over here and you know, grew up here, went to Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology, the first class to ever graduate from there. <laughs> and I went to uh, the Naval Academy. I got my master's in physics from Naval Postgraduate School. I went to Harvard. I went to MIT. But you still have to pay back, right? I mean, you owe this country everything. So that I paid back with, with um, you know, almost 30 years of uh, service in, in the military. And I fought in Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia. I went to Pakistan. I went to um, the Balkans and uh, you know I dove the ocean depths I recovered bodies from the bottom of the ocean I did whatever this country gave us oh man listen I, let's go back to the, the growing up so you're in this country with your mom and your siblings yes my four older sisters yes. four older sisters and and your dad's still in West Africa trying to provide yes. basically at that point you see him every six months got to imagine that has a formative impact on a young man yeah I mean but that's sacrifice right I mean the exactly. sacrifice our parents make uh, for for us, yeah, right. And so, when he does he he finally comes back fifteen years later. You're how you're how old at that point? At that point, I was um, you know I was well out of college. And um, so, were you already in the military? I was. I was a, yeah, I just graduated from Naval Academy, and then went to. Uh, then I was serving uh, on board the um, one of the ships, the, the USS Grasp. Um, you know, I was a diver on that ship, and then later on the, the uh, explosive ordnance disposal. And what what year are we talking about here? Um, this is nineteen. 98 okay. or so. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So you're in it. And 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 then through your, your military career, obviously, you rise through the ranks. You end up, like you said, in battle zone after battle zone. Tell us about that. You know, um, you know war is an ugly thing, but it's really not the ugliest of things. You, you, see, you see hardships. You see, you know, people struggling all the time. Uh, I mean, they just want freedom, you know, and... and and that's where, again, one of the reasons why I want to go in Congress, because, you know, we can't use our military as just a pawn in the game. You send them over there to do things, and that's it. They leave. And, in fact, the whole idea of the military being a nation builder is wrong. Right. We're not nation builders. We're nation destroyers. That's the State Department's job. And, and I think that they, they don't exercise It's been all conflated th- a bit over the years. Exactly. Yeah. We're not there to, to build up their police force or, or their infrastructure. That's the State Department's job. And so... I think that people need to understand what the military is used for. It's a blunt instrument. So, so uh, where all have you gone? Gosh, uh, I mean, Africa. I've spent a lot of time in Africa, both you know, growing up and and in my military career. You know, um, the um, 
Tunisia, Somalia, Algeria. Um, wild. Um, gosh, where else? Um, a lot of dangerous Morocco. places. Yes, and then uh, all of Europe, uh, and then uh, in, into the Black Sea, as well as um, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan. I was there for the uh, earthquake relief, uh, and then yeah, I mean, we we turns out we were about a stone's throw away from where Osama bin Laden was. Huh. We just didn't know it, and then um, no, we just all over the Middle East, and then. Uh, some parts of Asia too. So, in what capacities were you were you uh, over there? Like in, when you were in these war zones? I mean, what what were you doing? Um, explosive ordnance disposal, but really, I mean, special operations. I mean, I supported uh, SEAL teams and and, um, yeah. and special forces teams. And then one time, I was also over there with the Riverines, so the the gunboat, uh, you know, the, like the swift boats remember, yeah. from Vietnam. All those are still in existence uh, at the time, and we use those in Basra to. Uh, up the Tigris and the um, Euphrates rivers and uh, patrolling around there, uh, really going against sometimes the Iranians because a lot of times they the uh, insurgents will launch rockets at us and then run across the border. So we'd have to try to mow them down before they, they went across the border. Uh, and, uh, you know, then the Iranian gunboats would come up and bump up against us. And yeah, we, had, we didn't surrender. <laughs> we didn't yeah. surrender like that other guy with the white socks. Right, right. There no. was no white flags on yeah, your exactly, boat. Exactly, exactly. Not on captain's boat. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, so, all right. So you, th- that experience, and how long were you in the Navy? Uh, well, I always give the Naval Academy sign, which is all me bloomy life. My mother was oh. a mermaid <laughs> and my father was King Neptune. I was born on the crest of a wave and rocked in a cradle deep. No, I was, um, I, I, uh, I came in the Navy enlisted in 1989. Then I went to Naval Academy. And then, um, I, so commission wise, I 25 years of commission service. Uh, mm-hmm. so from 1996 till 2021. That's amazing. That's incredible. And so now you decided you're going to take all that service to your, to your country. And now you're going to run for Congress. I mean, you got a real service-minded attitude here. Thank you. No, well, I was really thinking about, you know, just kicking back and drinking Mai Tais and, and enjoying <laughs> the kids. I mean, I have five kids. and um, You don't seem like a Mai Tai drinking <laughs> no. guy that kicks back, though, I'll be honest with you. Well, it's just I really wanted to do something else. I wanted to run a, a 501c3, something to help our wounded warriors. But just watching those mothers hand babies to to Marines in Afghanistan. I mean, just six months after. Is, that, just is that what the trigger was for you? Right. It was just, the Afghanistan, the yeah. disaster, the, the pullout of troops. It was an absolute disaster. You're right. Because we, General Miller, uh, uh, Scotty Miller had a plan to leave 2,500 people over there to as a stabilization force. Yeah. Not, not not to do anything. We just, if the Taliban acted up, we just go strike and come back to our, our FOB. But um, the president the current president didn't do anything. He didn't approve. He didn't disapprove. He just sat there and just, you know, kind of pocket veto and didn't do anything. And then we had to pull out. And made a political decision. Yes. Right. I mean, it was a decision to get out of Afghanistan based entirely on a calendar here on to be out by September 11th. Nothing to do with conditions on the ground nope. or support forces or or even a strategy. I mean, they gave up Bagram before they. <laughs> yeah. The Bagram was never supposed to be given up. That was uh, something, a decision made by. You know, guys at the State Department wearing skinny jeans and man buns. That was, uh, that <laughs> I was, love that. That's, uh, that was never a plan that we, we had. That Bagram was supposed to be the, the launch base for any kind of counter strike. I mean, what the hell were they thinking? They weren't. They were just, they came up and just told the guys, well, the Taliban would really like to have, like, I don't care what the Taliban would really like to have. Right. You know? Yeah, no, no. We're, 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 I thought we were out of that business in 2001, exactly. caring what the Taliban exactly. thought about. Yes. Yeah, well, so, all right, so I can understand a, a man who put the kind of service to his country in that you have would watch that and think, I got to get involved again. Absolutely. Um, you know, um, right now we have the lowest amount of veterans 
in Congress and Senate. Of the 535 seats... We're going to change that this year, though. Yes, there's only 89. 89 people who've served and worn the cloth of this nation. And they don't understand sacrifice, right? I mean, in Australia, they put the war memorial right across the street from the parliament so that members of the parliament see what the cost of war is every day when they leave office. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, it's just a punchline for them. So you get out. Actually, I heard a funny story about this. Before we get into your run and, and all the decisions that are, are made to go about doing that and how it's all going, I heard a funny story that you were involved in sort of the salvage of the JFK Jr. plane. Was this true? Yes, it is. What is the story? So, I, I've heard like pieces of this, but I've never gotten the full thing. Okay, uh, okay. First of all, I, I know what you think. Is this is this like Geraldo Rivera opening up the vault, right? And it, was he really down there? Yes, he was. So, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, for our QAnon listeners, we could we can we can cast no doubt about what's happening. Here. No, it was it was really John F. Kennedy Jr.'s body. So he um, uh, in 1999 he crashed uh, off of Martha's Vineyard, and um, you know everybody was out there searching and. It was funny because that night we had an officer's party at my commanding officer's house. And we were all, you know, all the men were gathered around the, the charts of uh, Martha, Martha's Vineyard Sound because we knew we were going to get called up. And next morning, sure enough, they said, get underway right now and, and go salvage uh, uh, the plane and go look for the plane. And so I was the operations officer of this ship and there was like 15 other entities up there uh, searching. So I, my job was to to basically make the grid map and 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 coordinate the entire search because, you know, we were the senior officer afloat, and so we took command of all the ships. We went around and, and, and searched and, and found it within within 24 hours of being on station, we found it. That's and wild, right? Because, I mean, at that point, there was just some kind of loose radar contact when that plane, it was a small private plane. Yes. He and his fiance or wife, Carolyn. His wife, his wife and his sister-in-law, yeah. Right, right. We're, we're in it and, and sort of vanished. And exactly. then it's your job to go out and try to find this plane. Yes. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. And so, you know, I, I, we, you know, three days of no, non, no sleeping. I mean, because I, mean, I was the operations officer, I ran the entire operations, uh, you know, from, from getting us underway to getting up there, getting all the ships together and saying, okay, we're taking t- op- operational control of this mission. You go here, you go here. And I was, you know... I ran the whole mission, and then, then they came up. And, uh, you know, after we found the the plane uh, located that night, they came up and they said, "Hey, ops, you have to suit up." I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, "Well, you're the last clean diver because the way we dive, we do surface decompression. You go down. Oh yeah. And then at uh, when you come up to about 30 feet, they take you up and over, and then they draw. Uh, then they strip you completely, throw you in a recompression chamber, take you down to 40 feet, and, and recompress you in the chamber." So, so when you, don't you get do the that, bends and all that, yeah. Right? So when you do that, you can't dive for 24 hours. So every diver on board was dirt, what we call dirty. They they couldn't They'd already dive already done it. Yeah. So they're like, "Sir, you got to dive." I'm like, "You got to be kidding me!" There's surely there's somebody else on <laughs> board that can dive. I thought I was me. running this joy. Yeah, but not only that, I hadn't slept in three days. Yeah. Oh man. And so I'm like, okay, this is you know on a safety miss. I can just see this on a safety mishap, right? But I was like, all right, fine, I'll go down. And, and sure enough, the plane was there. It was. Uh, I mean, it's a Piper 32, and it, it had been crushed up like a. Uh, a soda can honestly because really? he hit at 200 knots um, you know he wasn't instrument qualified so he what first thing apparently you learn is to trust your instruments instead of your, your yeah. sights and so he lost sight and bearing of, of the horizon and went straight into the ocean at uh, 200 knots Oof. and so the, the plane was crushed up like a um, you know as a um, like a soda can soda said. can yeah. yeah and so you know, it's, it was just sad. It was just sad because he was very iconic and, and, you know, you see him on TV and he seemed like a nice guy. 
Yeah, and that's got to be a wild feeling though. Then you're down at the plane, and, and yeah. you've got a you got a really really grim task at that point. Right, and then um, so we brought that plane plane and the bodies up, and then Ted Kennedy came aboard. And uh, gosh, you ever see Tommy Boy where where he he inflates the uh, the, the uh, life preserver and it just <laughs> yeah. pops? That's what he looked like <laughs> wearing okay. a K-pock. You know, it looks like a literally it looks like a big pumpkin on a on a toothpick. But <laughs> no, no, but honestly, at that time it was a, a man who you know a man a family who was hurting, and and it didn't matter what side. They were on. They were. They were just suffering Americans, and we wanted to bring closure to the family, and, and so it was an honor to to bring back the remains in the plane. That's an um, incredible story. Yeah. So, was, I, I, absolutely amazing, and on the front page of every newspaper in the English speaking world at that point. So, I mean, you were you were front and center on that. Yeah, uh, we we were. I mean, it's it's the whole team, right? It's not just one person. It's not two. It's an entire ship, and, and also the whole flotilla that was under our control to that found and searched uh, for for the plane. But it was like I said. They were suffering Americans, and we want to bring closure to them and, and just bring some peace to them. Yeah. All right. So let's get back to your, your – after Afghanistan, clearly that enrages you. You want to do something about it. How quickly do you start thinking about running for Congress? Well, I thought about it in, when I retired in October, and my wife said no. <laughs> I was yeah. like, okay. She has 51% of the votes, so I'm like, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes, ma'am. <laughs> Good husband there. But uh, in January, I think, when, when our friends were getting kicked out of military for not getting the vaccine, uh, that's when oh, that wow. really got her going. She said, look, I know you're the person to do this because you always get things done, so you need to run. And are, so, your fo- are your folks still around? So my father just passed away five months ago. Oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. And uh, he, he, he had a great life, honestly. Five kids and... Uh, 14 grandchildren all of his kids went to college we're all we all has have uh, advanced degrees i mean I if you want to talk about what you can accomplish in a life it doesn't get much better than that right i mean he he has this i mean we can go on forever about my father because he at the age of 13 he was his father was taken away by the the Viet Cong, and so he was the man of the house because his older brother was killed uh running ammunition for the french foreign legion up up down up and down the uh the Laotian border he was, Jeez. and so he you got some he, heroism in your blood, man. That's and so unbelievable. He, so he he had to take care of his family, and so he 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 became like a cleaning boy for the French Foreign Legion, and the 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 captain in charge of the French Foreign French Foreign Legion, who was, used to be a Nazi of all, of all things. Um, after World War II, they didn't have anything to do, so they joined the French Foreign Legion. Took a liking to him because he was such a hard worker, and gave him extra work, and he was able to to buy a new house for his family, and and put his younger brother uh, younger bro- two brothers and sister to school sacrificing you know he never he had to drop out of school and but he still taught himself through through their books and he ended up earning a scholarship to the University of Philippines for his bachelor's and then Cornell for his master's and PhD work yeah well he certainly instilled a service in his kids there's no question about that it's a tremendously impressive story so now you're running for Congress and you probably, I mean, look, this is a far cry from what you were doing as a captain in the Navy. I mean, this is a different deal, right? You're, you're encountering voters for the first time in your life, but people who probably have very similar frustrations to you, maybe not with the specificity in, in the military background, but this country's a mess, right? I got, got to imagine that you're finding a lot of resonance out there. Absolutely. I mean, the oath of office for a military officer is the same as as an elected official, which is, I, you know, I solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States, right, against all enemies, foreign and domestic. 
And that oath is not just to the Constitution, right? It's not to a king, it's not to a president, it's to the Constitution, it's to we the people. And I think that's what Congress has forgotten, or, or the government, right? Joe Biden's forgotten that. He serves we the people. Mm-hmm. That's who he answers to. That's who I answer to. And as a commanding officer out there, you know, I served my men and women, right? I, I served them. I, I was their commanding officer. I was their voice, and I took care of them so they can do the job and they can do the mission. Mm-hmm. And so I see this the same thing. I'm serving them in a different capacity, but I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to look out for their best interests. I'm going to support and defend the Constitution. I'm going to protect that Constitution. Because, you know, a lot of people don't understand what it's like to wake up one day and not have a flag to stand under or a country called their own. There you go. That's exactly right. And that's a perspective that uniquely we hear from a lot of people running this cycle, right? We've got a lot of a lot of people not exactly with your specific background, but with a sort of a non-traditional Republican. When you think about a Republican, they don't always think about people like you. And what we're finding in this particular time period is that we're everywhere. Exactly. <laughs> right? And it's now, but it's now the people who have this sort of sense of service that they can't wait anymore. You got to go get involved, which is what you've done. Exactly. And, and you know, I'm not going to do it forever. I mean, I do my time, tap out, go somewhere else, someone else d- does it. But I've got, we've got to stabilize this economy. We've got to secure this country, protect this country, both at the border and from enemies abroad, including China. And, you know, and then education. I mean, for for the 45% minorities in my district, you know, we all, and 25% of which are immigrants, we came here for the same thing. We came here for for freedom, education for our kids, and and really for family values. And the left is destroying that. And so the education, what my parents taught me was, look, they, any day you can lose your wealth, you can lose your position in life, but you can never lose... The, the knowledge in your head and that's why education was so big and when the left does things like destroy Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology by by changing the entrance criteria that's that's this, a destruction and that's if anything that's that's a, a racist thing for right. you know for the people who keep calling us racist I mean that's the most racist thing there is yeah it's amazing how that works right it, it, they, they, their projection particularly on racism, has gotten really incredible these days. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you see it in schools in particular. <laughs> and they're right? going to call me, like, um, was it, what's it, new, uh, white adjacent or something like that. Like, <laughs> in fact, I went to Home Wait, Depot. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, th- th- I'm, not, I'm not a minority, I'm a white adjacent. I, I actually went to Home Depot and look at the uh, the shells and the, I think I'm more off-white or <laughs> or eggshell, eggshell color, I think. I think that's what they want to call me. So they're calling you white adjacent? Yes. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're not this minority. This is awesome. Yeah, they, so. Well, they you gotta up, laugh at that shit, right? Because right? it's, it's so bad that, that you have to make up terms for this. I mean, <laughs> Because I don't meet your mantra, you have to, you have to pigeonhole me somehow. Like, why can't you just call me an American? Because that's, that's the I, thing I don't understand. I mean, basically, but you know what? They answer that question too because they don't think America is all that great to begin with, right? God, they've got to make up some sort of narrative about what it is our motives, right? Exactly. Or, 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 or white adjacent, which yes. is just like the most eggshell. I prefer eggshell. <laughs> Gosh, that's good. So I assume you're having some fun on the campaign trail. It's awesome. It's awesome meeting just just the voters out there. I mean, I'm, I'm you know, as you can, you can see, I'm very introverted and I'm a wallflower. So you know, no, <laughs> yeah, I, I really love I you love like being a real out quiet there. guy. <laughs> yeah. I love being out there with uh, with the voters and, and just listening to what they have to say. Yeah, you know, I want to hear what they have to say. And, and you know, a lot of times, what I tell the men and women under my charge was like, don't give me a problem without a solution. 
some people have amazing solutions. They've got some really great ideas and and how to make this country better. And, and I'm just their voice sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, Hung, you're doing a hell of a job because you're getting dangerously close to becoming a congressman here. Thank you. I mean, well, Joe Biden's helped me every day, so thanks, Joe. <laughs> Seriously. And you brought us you brought us some Jefferson's Ocean, which I got to imagine there's a naval piece to this. Yes. So, you know, I'm a sailor, so I figured I, I brought you uh, bourbon from, uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, made in Tennessee, but then aged at sea so that, you know, as it's crossing the equator, uh, you know, up and down the equator, the, the barrels, like, contract and expand, and, and so it's aged at sea. Um but, you know, as a sailor, I, I just wanted something nautical for you. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of terms that came from, came from Navy. I think I, I told you, like... Um, you probably um, didn't touch the stuff in the Navy, though, right, Hong? No, it's of course not. Stuff. No. <laughs> so, you know... Nobody does in the Navy. Of course right. not. No. In fact, you know the term um, um, a cup of joe comes from the Navy, right? Because uh, when they outlawed alcohol on board ships, it was under uh, the Secretary of Navy, uh, Josephus Daniels. So the strongest thing they ever had was a cup of coffee. So they that's call why they call it Cup of Joe, because <laughs> for Josephus Daniels. Listen, we're learning all kinds of things here. Today. Yeah, this is I'm, I've got, I'm full of uh, useless facts. You know, like, <laughs> it's like the Cliff Clavin of the Navy. Yeah, exactly. I love it. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Why, well, Normie? <laughs> yeah, right, seriously. So, listen, you got to get this over the finish line. Uh, I have three questions for you, but before we get to that, where can our people help you out? Um, okay, don't go on hotasiandews.com because that's, just, <laughs> that's not safe. No, just kidding. No. Um, that's it. That's it. A, 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 uh, an OnlyFans account that exactly. you set up for yeah, your campaign. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's hung, uh, hung Cal for Congress dot, uh, dot com. So it's H U N G C A O uh, for, for Congress.com. And, you know, we, we run a grassroots um, basic campaign and, and a lot of our donors are less than a hundred dollars. I mean, it's yeah. just, we, we've got over, I think close to 10,000 donors at this point. It's just, it's all grassroots. It's, you know, I'm, I know times are hard for everybody. So, you know, we're, we're asking, Hey, five, $10, whatever you can afford. But if you want your voice heard, no matter where you live in the U S I mean, we have, we have donors from all 50 states, including the district of uh, Columbia and uh, you found you know, a district of Columbia Republican to donate. Yes, to. exactly. But I, 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 I'm sad to say AOC's abuela didn't give me anything. So I have nothing from Puerto Rico. Okay. So, so well, we always have something to shoot for. Yeah, I know. So, uh, but, um, Honestly, you know, we, we run a grassroots campaign, so if we, you know, we honor any any amount of money that, that people can give because our voice, no matter where you live, our vote's going to help change the course of this country. Yeah, well, you're a hell of a guy who's got an incredible story, and your family must be so proud of what you've accomplished and what your whole family's accomplished, really. I mean, it's a uniquely American story. But you're not going to get out of here without answering these three Uh-oh. questions. Okay, all right? Stand by. I'm sitting at the edge of my seat right yeah, now. Yeah, this is the stuff that matters here, Hong. This is serious. Uh, so if you can plan your last meal on earth, what would it be? Pho. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Vietnamese. I love pho. I mean, it's, it's great. It's, it's, uh, that's, that what's, that's what makes champions, right? That's, the pho. that's Have you, it. I got to take you. Take a, no, it's not pho. Okay, it's pho. <laughs> it's, it's pho. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. So I, I've done a little Vietnamese food, uh, and I'm pretty sure I've had pho. Okay, but but then I gotta take you out one day. Make sure you get some real. You've got, I'm sure you yeah. got the the hot spots for that. Well, you know, uh, Seven Quarters, the, the Eden Center. That's like yeah. little Vietnam right there. We'll, we'll meet there one day. And, that's and your spot. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Good. 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 So <clears throat> let's do this for you for the second question because it's a little. You're just getting into politics. Usually, I ask people if you never got into politics, what would you be doing? But like that was like what six months for you go <laughs> yeah, for exactly. you. So so yeah. let's back it up a little bit. Let's say you never got into the military. 
right? And you have this blue sky openness of something to do with your life. Given your background, your motivation for service, what do you think you'd do to fill it? Is there any sort of ambition that you had out there? And this can be really blue sky because like Ted Cruz said he'd play in the NBA, <laughs> which, you know, I mean, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the military was my dream. I mean, it's still my dream job. I wish, you know, I could stay in, but I needed to fight for our uh, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coast guardsmen from a different uh, perspective. So that was my dream job. But if not, I would love to go in law enforcement. You know, I've, I've supported the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force for many years. I've worked with, you know, uh, police and sheriff's departments across the country. I stood up a bomb squad in Monterey. Wow. I work with San Diego Sheriff's Department and then uh, Virginia Beach Police Department bomb squad. And now, I mean, I'm working hand in hand with our sheriff, uh, Mike Chapman. He's just one of the, you know, just amazing American and then. And Sheriff Hill down in Prince William, and Sheriff Falls, and, and Connie in Rappahannock. I mean, they're they're just great Americans. And and you know, I always tell police officers and law enforcement officers that you know I fight the away games and you fight the home games, and that's that's what they do. And so that's that that would a be great a great way service. to put it. That's a great way to put it. Plus, you know, an answer like that, and given his background, I mean, this is if you ever got stuck in a tough place, this is the guy you call, right? <laughs> I mean, I've got my rape whistle. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> something tells me nobody's going to be coming for you. <laughs> um, all right. So here's the final question. This is a little esoteric. This gets, a, you know, sort of what goes to motivate you, right? And the, the question is, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? But let me explain what that means. Okay. Our view is that everybody is motivated by one of these two things because the, the thrill of victory people are people who are sort of sunny optimists always charging up the hill. They're just trying to get to the next accomplishment, get the next thing done. That's what motivates them, right? The agony of defeat people, every accomplishment they've ever had in life lasts about two seconds. They enjoy it for like two seconds. Every defeat or setback that they've ever had, they wear like a backpack and it motivates them to try to either never repeat those mistakes or make sure that those mistakes aren't even tried on them at any point in the future, right? And it's two very different motivations. We've had probably like a 50-50 split on the program on, on who identifies with which. Hung, where do you find yourself? Goodness, that's a hard question. I mean, anybody who says it's not whether you win or lose never obviously never won. But, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, I mean, I, I, love, I love victories. I love, but, you know, being from an Asian mindset, you know, your parents let you uh, enjoy that for two minutes and you keep going to the next, next uh, accomplishment. Yeah, and and any you turn any defeat into to victory. So I, I guess I would say the the, the thrill of victory. I mean, I, I want to. I always want to, you know, achieve more and and, and get more and because, unfortunately, with with uh, overbearing parents, well, they're not overbearing, but people, <laughs> I know what you parents mean. who who keep pushing you, you you get to enjoy those victories for two minutes and then you you go on to the next uh, You're on next, to the next. Let okay. me let me ask it this way: uh, your greatest achievement, more memorable than your worst defeat oh gosh okay so yeah my my worst defeat does stick out more um you're an agony defeat guy. okay sorry so, I just, so this is I, like i i knew it i knew it the moment you sat down but i i it's a hard question to like sort of frame up right but i think we got there okay thank you i think we got sorry there. yeah it's yeah. sorry esl right english is a second language i didn't know okay no, no God. I, I didn't understand uh you know but you're, you're right maybe it is because that drives me more than anything that's just like you know you 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 look at um 
some of the things that you you failed and you're like okay i'm not i'm gonna keep i'm never gonna do that again and i'm gonna work 10 times harder to make sure i'm not even in that position again yes right yes yeah you're that guy okay i could see that a mile away listen hunk cow i can't thank you enough for coming in here and sharing your story we're going to be totally behind you on the variety program and you really got to get to congress you're going to be a star once you're there you're there for all the right reasons thank you for our service your service to our nation and everything that you've done thanks for coming no thank you so much well listen i i mean that's precisely the kind of guy you want for the job right what a story what a story that's amazing man the guy's got a real sense of humor too yeah i gotta be i, I mean like you never know I feel like we military. may have held him back even right. a little bit <laughs> i think we did you know which is hard to do on the variety program <laughs> and he gave us these challenge coins and like he brought a bottle of bourbon i mean look that's this that's is, always the way to our heart it, it really <laughs> is a bottle of bourbon that's how you do you your come in those. studio with a bottle of bourbon, you're going to have a good interview. We're going to have a great time. This guy's going to be a great addition to the House of Representatives. I think so. This red wave, again, I keep saying the red wave is something we're doing, not something that's happening. So get involved. Reminder to folks, July 19th, Tuesday, July 19th, is Matthew Foldy's primary day. We need as many folks in the district for Election Day. And this weekend, uh, you know, reply to at Team Foldy. Uh, get involved with that one. And, and you know what, folks? I think that's another banger of an episode. What do you think so, John? Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Outstanding work. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Thursday. Stay ruthless.